Dogs in Hats, Cats in Bomber Jackets is back. This is our Halloween special, Spooktacular. <laughs> I'm Lee, again today joined by Stee. Stee, say hello. <laughs> okay. Right, so I've been playing some Spooktacular 16-bit horror games. Well, looking at the list that you've told me already, what you're going to go into in a second, I think all them games have aged, probably aged quite well. The first thing I played was, ah, real monsters. <laughs> Okay, this is going to be a blatant cash-in of Nickelodeon. I vaguely remember this one. It's a blatant cash-in of a long-forgotten cartoon. It's a platformer, quite like a Booger Man. It was very colourful and very rich, but it was like a very young game. Uh, you've got to train the monsters to be monsters, basically. And you go around collecting fish bones and bits of garbage and yeah. things. And It wasn't too difficult, and it was just like a fun kid's game. I think it's not particularly scary. But then again, I don't think that's really the point. I'm, I'm kind of a bit negative on this kind of thing. This is uh, basically... Basically, you, you get a lot of cash-ins nowadays, which you take, you know, they take a bog-standard engine and, and just throw the main characters of, of whatever license it is. I'm sure the Ratatouille game's pretty naff. I mean, I haven't really seen it, but this is, this is just what I'm guessing. This is the general license. The next game was The Addams Family. Interesting. It was kind of like a sort of softer, easier kind of version of the Bowser's Castle levels on the Super Mario games, but with more annoying sound mm -hmm. effects. Basically what you do is you play Gomez. All the members of the family have been kidnapped and you have to go into the house and you go in each different room and there's uh, various tasks and stuff going on. I think this one, I think it was based on the, the movie very, very loosely and it was quite good. If I remember rightly. I think it's quite good for its time, but I, I don't think it's got the lasting value that something like Mario or Sonic would have. I think it's still like a little bit young as well. <laughs> Next game is Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ah, what version? On the SNES again? The SNES version. These are all SNES games that I played, by the way. You play, you play um, Van Helsing. It's another side-scrolling platform mm. game. And again, I thought pretty decent for its time, but kind of mediocre slash em up stuff now. Yeah. It's like, it was relatively easy. A, a lot of it I found was um, like the same sort of demons will come after you in the same way. Like once you like learn that sequence, it's really easy to get through. This one was uh, was slated at the time, if I remember rightly. I remember reading about this game a lot. It got a lot of press because it was a, a mega CD game. And they used to get a lot of press for whatever reason because they used, you know, like the video footage or you know really high quality of, at the time anyway uh, digitized sort of graphics uh, but i remember this one being quite basic like you've said it's quite linear interestingly enough there was a, an adventure game on um the ill-fated atari lynx hmm. of bram Stoker's dracula it was supposed to be much better but i never got to play it sadly okay castlevania dracula x the final Castlevania for the SNES. Wow. 18th century skeleton smashing, chain wielding trip through burning castles. And that's essentially <laughs> what it is. Set in, in uh, 1792 against the backdrop of a centuries long conflict between the Belmont clan and Count Dracula, who had been prematurely resurrected by his earthly admirers. Uh, it was pretty good. This is the, pr the precursor to uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, mm. which is considered by a lot of people to be uh, one of the best games ever. So there you go. The next one, Demon's Crest, a side-scrolling platform game, part of the uh, Gargoyles Quest subseries of the Ghosts and Goblins franchise, full of demons, ghosts, yes. monsters, hauntings. Basically, you play the uh, firebrand, the Red Arima Demon, apparently, looking to 
collect the uh, elemental crests which preside over <laughs> the respective elements fire, earth, water, air, time and heaven. When all crests are combined, the crest of infinity will appear, allowing its holder to hold infinite power and the ability to conquer any and all realms. Aside from the uh, crazy storyline, it's by Capcom. So it's, it's got to be good. Start. Of all the games that you've mentioned, I remember this one the best, actually. I played this one quite a lot. You start by fight. You, um, you got to beat a giant dragon. Which is one of the, the greatest openings of a game ever, I think. I actually really like that because it was completely unexpected because you ex- you'd think you're just going to get an easy level. I have very fond memories of this one, actually. I love Ghosts and Goblins anyway. I think the brilliant franchise. This is kind of like a more uh, complex Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, not straightforward. So I don't think it's as good as the other games in Ghosts and Goblins, but I think it's um, it, it's very different, and uh, I like the way it's 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 like an adventure. It's not just a straightforward arcade game. It's it's kind of like a cross between Ghosts and Goblins and Castlevania in a lot of ways. The next two, I think uh, we should do it together. Zombies Ate My Neighbors, a run and gun for the Mega Drive and the SNES from Lucas Arts, a comical tribute to both classic and schlocky horror films. The other game being uh, Ghoul Patrol, which is a sequel. Yes, I think Zombies is a better game, isn't it? Generally, the gameplay wasn't very interesting. It wasn't very good, but Zombies Ate My yeah. Neighbor is. And it's it's quite odd because they're not really that far removed. It, it, it was very fresh, Zombies. But you, play, you play one or two teenagers and you basically uh, shoot vampires, werewolves and uh, zombies. You have to collect all the uh, neighbors before they get eaten, as the title might suggest. But I thought it was pretty good. One of the better <laughs> games. But it was a lot more cartoonish again it was less horror and more fun yeah right but the uh, the last one that i played i opted to save for last because it wasn't just my favorite but it was a surprise favorite i never expected to, I, I didn't know what it was when i actually put it on i just searched up uh, horror games yeah. and, and it was listed and I, and I didn't know what it was i didn't expect to like it and i thought it was brilliant and it was called blackthorn ah similar to uh, prince of persia which i hated but blackthorn <laughs> a bit like abe's odyssey it's not um because it doesn't scroll or anything. Yes. And it's it's very complicated, but it's a very brilliant cavernous shoot 'em up. It it is difficult because the controls are a, a bit confusing because he can do basically he carries a gun, but depending on whether it's holstered or not affects what the buttons do. So for example, if he's holding it, he shoots people. And I ended up accidentally shooting a few civilians just because uh, the same buttons, uh, whether it's holstered or not, do different things. I think this is one of the most underrated games ever. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think it's better than Prince of Persia and Flashback. It's very much like them games, but apart from the fact you're this big muscly guy, and there's a lot more action and violence. I played it um, a couple of times. I really liked it the first time, so I, went, I ended up going back to it. I did find that it was um, fairly challenging. The fact as well that it's not like straightforward, there's different paths you can take, and there's uh, a lot of exploring and stuff to right. be done in it. But it does become very difficult quite early on. But I thought it was excellent. So of the... Um, bearing, it, bearing in mind that I couldn't find The Lawnmower Man, Haunting, Starring, Poltergeist, or The Ooze, of the games that I did play, Blackthorn gets the official Dogs in Hats seal of approval. So I, I agree with you 100%. I think Blackthorn is fantastic and everyone should download it. But you have to own the original and you have to own a Super Nintendo. Oh, Hopefully, this will be released on Virtual Console for the Wii. How many games was that? Eight. Eight, wow. In that case, I might have to look up um, eight ghoulish 8-bit games, which would be even more interesting. <laughs> but probably not of the same quality. Oh, well, there's a feature for you to work on for next year. That was very interesting. 
Now, of course, it is Halloween, and it, it wouldn't really be a Halloween if we didn't discuss some scary movies. Although I thought that we shouldn't really bore people by, you know, talking about Halloween, about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and that kind of thing. What I thought might be better is if we um, perhaps extrol the virtues a little bit of some lesser-known um, horror films. And, Steve, you wanted to talk about one of your favourite uh, tongue-in-cheek horror B movies, uh, which is this. It was a night like any other night. Then something happened. Something different. Killer clowns from outer space. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't need a police bell, you need a psychiatrist. You want to play games? You're messing with the wrong guy. Killer clowns from outer space. It's crazy. Killer Clowns from Outer Space is obviously a B-movie, made in 1988. I've seen this on uh, rental, obviously, on VHS, if you remember that. The film is about aliens who look like clowns that arrive on Earth to capture and kill people. What's not to like? It's it, The way they kill people is amazing. They turn people um, into candy floss and stuff, trap people in um, balloons and things. They uh, blast random victims uh, with ray guns that cocoons them with cotton candy with lethal results. Um, <laughs> there's a brilliant scene where they do uh, a killer shadow puppet and it kills the guy. It is, it is just brilliant. It just knows what it is. It knows it's a B-movie. And it looks quite good. You know, it looks it's over the top. It's tacky. Whether it's aged well, I don't know. But, I mean, clowns are scary anyway. There's something scary about the circus, isn't there? There's something Halloween about it. Everybody's I definitely uh, would want to see it, but I also recommend that you see uh, Fatal Games, which is probably my favourite um, B-movie horror film, set in um, a school or a college where a team of um, potential future Olympic athletes are killed off one by one by a mysterious assailant who quite often uses a javelin. Uh, there's, there's, there's one guy who gets um, speared while he's out on the track, and another one who gets pinned up against the wall, but it's done in such hilarious fashion. Yeah. And there, there seems to be uh, one piece of music in it, just the same sort of ominous tune. But apparently, they actually put a soundtrack album out. <laughs> and <I'll>, uh... <laughs> Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. But I think I'll miss it out next year. It's <laughs> <laughs> just an amazing tune. Now then, uh, Halloween specials, and uh, one in particular that you wanted to talk about if you uh, want to introduce it. It was nominated for an Emmy Award. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. That aired in 1966. Hell. Can I have an extra piece of candy for my stupid brother? He couldn't come with us because he's sitting in a pumpkin patch, waiting for the Great Pumpkin. It's so embarrassing to have to ask for something extra for that blockhead Linus. I got five pieces of candy. 
I got a chocolate bar. I got a quarter. I got a rock. Poor old Charlie Brown. <laughs> I'm actually uh, watching this clip on YouTube at the moment and uh, someone's posted a really uh, bizarre message that just says uh, This shit sucks huge cock, better watch. It's the great Dolomite Charlie Brown, you goddamn prison fly. What? Which I think sums up everybody's feelings about the uh, Halloween Charlie Brown episodes. <laughs> Gee, I got a candy bar. Boy, I got big cookies. Hey, I got a package of gum. I got a rock. What? Why does it keep get a rock? <laughs> now this is interesting. So you, you know that um, in the in the original Christmas special, Charlie Brown, like I say, Linus. I'm sure it's Linus. Gives a speech um, about what Christmas is all about, and he gives the uh, Christianity story and stuff, uh, the birth of Jesus and all that. In it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Linus says there are three things I have learned never to discuss with people: religion. Politics in the Great Pumpkin. Sounds like the network bollocked them for dismissing the Jews or something. Trick or treat! I got a popcorn ball! I got a fudge ball! I got a pack of gum! I got a rock! Mad TV did a parody of uh, the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, uh, with members of Kiss and the <laughs> guest starred as themselves. And uh, when they received trinklets, one of the members exclaims, I got a rock. I bet it was Peter Chris. Probably. Also, in the opening to the Simpsons episode, Treehouse of Horror 2, the Peanuts gang, wearing their costumes from the special, oh, of course, yeah. run in front of the Simpsons house. <coughs> I remember Lucy and Charlie Brown. She was always on a period, wasn't she? <laughs> she used to bitch all the time. And uh, Peppermint Paddy was there. Uh... No, it wasn't Peppermint Paddy, was it? That was a lesbo. It was, um, it was a friend. Who calls her Sir? Um, Marcy. Marcy called her, sir. They were together, though, weren't they? Yeah, they were together, yeah. Who's a better couple, those two, or um, Daphne <laughs> and Thelma? I, I, I haven't seen Daphne and Thelma together. I'd like to. She did. Um, they did kiss each other in the film. Yeah, and it was cut, wasn't it? It was cut out. There's also another scene where um, Daphne bends over, apparently, and um, Fred swooning, and then the camera sort of zooms back and Thel Thelma's doing the same thing. <laughs> Is that cut uh, as well, or? When they were making it, they were going for uh, sort of adult jokes as well, but sadly they all got cut. But the original cut, it was apparently, there's miles more in jokes. It's a shame, really. I'd like to see an uncut version because it's supposed to be really good as well. Because surely kids don't get the fact that Scrappy's the bad guy, so it'd make more sense. But there's loads of in-jokes in there. I'm surprised Scooby-Doo didn't do a Halloween special. They must have. Do you reckon the uh, Halloween episode of Scooby-Doo, where it was just a normal day and it didn't see any ghosts or anything, nothing happened? <laughs> Maybe so. And it was based on the Archies, wasn't it? Scooby-Doo was based on the Archies, I knew that. The New York Times slated Scooby-Doo. Why? Apparently they thought it was too dark, so they added the slapstick humour. Is there a review? Scooby-Doo's mysteries are not very mysterious and the humour is half humorous. As for the animation, well, the drawings on your refrigerator may give it competition. <laughs> Assumed adult themes of Scooby-Doo. This is pretty good. As with many Saturday morning cartoons, Scooby-Doo is often proposed by sectors of the public to have hidden subtexts, in this case involving sex and drug use. <laughs> drug use is the most prominent of these charges, in particular because of Shaggy's beatnik origins and the Scooby Snacks. In the film, Shaggy falls in love with a girl named Mary Jane, which is a common slang term for marijuana. Fred and Daphne are missing for a significant amount of the action in most episodes, leading to assumptions that they were off having sex instead of finding clues. <laughs> Another debate is whether Thelma is a lesbian. 
She has a considerable fan base among real-life lesbians who see her as one of their own. Many, but not all, of the lesbian-themed gags from the first Scooby-Doo film were excised for final release print to secure a PG rating. Boo. That's a shame. Do many cartoons still do adult jokes? What, for kids? Yeah. I think they probably do on Cartoon Network. My cousin's son stays on a Saturday, and he's really into um, Toonami, and when I've watched some of that, there's the odd sort of uh, pop culture reference and stuff, but not so much adult, you know adult humour like you kind of used to get in a way. Do, 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 do. Man, Hanna-Barbera made some crap. Such as some of these shows I've hardly ever heard of, but I remember watching for about five minutes. Like Dino Mutt. What was that all about? Captain Caveman was good. The Teen Angels, but it was just the same as Scooby-Doo, really. Now, hang on, how, how has Hanna-Barbera just offended you? I've somehow got onto Josie and the Pussycats, and apparently Hanna-Barbera wanted to change one of the main characters from being an African-American to being a white woman. Controversial. They wanted to decided to portray Justin the Pussycats as an all-white trio who was African-American in the comic book, and then they, obviously the guy behind it refused to recast. The character was actually the very first African-American cast member on a regular Saturday morning cartoon. When the sun goes down and the night goes cold and the wind is whistling through the streets What is that song? It's actually from the Halloween special of uh, Ghostbusters. It's quite interesting. Have you seen it? No, you've talked. You've talked about this before. Yeah, because it, 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 it aired in prime time. Yeah. What was essentially a kids' cartoon aired in prime time, which is I find uh, quite interesting. I think a lot of Halloween specials they're in prime time, but I think it's unusual that the Ghostbusters did the real Ghostbusters. Well, it is Halloween, and I think it's time we um, included some educational material in this podcast. Of course. Everyone knows the origins of uh, Christmas and why it exists, but not as many people know the origins of Halloween. So, with the aid of the Ghostbusters Halloween special, right now we're going to send it over to Egon Spengler, who's going to tell us all about the origins of Halloween. 2,000 years ago, October 31st was the end of the old year, and the ancient Celtic priests, called Druids, held a celebration. It was the birth of the festival we now call Halloween. It was... It was a party! <laughs> the Ghostbusters used to have uh, glow-in-the-dark cereal. Yeah. How unusual. Totally cereal. Super cereal. Super duper cereal. Speaking of cereal, actually, um, I'm sure you're familiar with the massively popular Dogs and Hats, Cats in Bomber Jackets produced YouTube cereal, Matt's Life, and its star, Matthew Wilkinson. Yep. I asked him, what do you think of Halloween? And the reply <laughs> came, I like it. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't expound on it, but for everyone who's wondering uh, whether he, he likes it or he doesn't, he does. Fantastic. So what's the uh, um, pinnacle defining moment of Halloween Havoc in its history? Is it where Barry Windham comes <laughs> out dressed like Sting? Or is it ten years later where Jeff Jarrett brings out about six Stings? I think it's the opening to... Halloween Havoc 93, with Tony Schiavone taking his face off. <laughs> and isn't uh, Tony's dressed like Jesse? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> of course, one of my favourite moments is uh, when the dynamic dudes get booed out of Philadelphia. You would that, expect that kind of thing on Halloween as well, so it's kind of fitting. Of course, there's also um, Halloween Havoc 91, in that stupid Chamber of Horrors match, where the lever that electrifies 
the chair of torture accidentally falls down into the uh, on position and uh, nothing happens and Cactus Jack has to climb up the cage and reset it for the big finale where Abdullah the Butcher gets uh, fried in the chair of torture. <laughs> Terrible. If you're feeling all you kind of could be a man of wind He flies through the night looking for a bite but he's back home by Well, we're just about run out of time on this uh, spooktacular dogs in hats, cats in bomber jackets. You're still looking for uh, Halloween specials, or? Oh, there's not that many, is the Halloween specials? Corn's Groovy Pirate Ghost Mystery is excellent. Yep. Um, They're all good. <laughs> the Office Halloween episode. Bungholio. Pink Eyes, yeah. Pink Eyes good. Spooky Fish is good. Spooky Fish is class. It's not many, is there? Halloween specials. No, I thought there'd be a lot more. There's got to be more than that. There's a pinky in the brain Halloween. Home Star Runner. I don't know if I've seen that one. It's the great pumping pumpkin Mason from the internet sitcom Life from the Inside. Yeah, there's a few more. There's the Grim Adventures of Mandy, Halloween and stuff. Robot Chicken. What else did we talk about? I think I just talked about my sort of general dislike for Halloween that I've just spent ages talking about in a podcast. It's much more enjoyable now. Well, undoubtedly we've improved the holiday tenfold with this podcast. Peppermint Paddy. What? I'm just reading a bit about Scooby-Doo. I can't say I've played this. Scooby-Doo video game. I'll have to download that. Not the arcade game, anyway. Played the one on the Spectrum. Still on the Spectrum. It's quite good, both of them. Interestingly, uh, Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins for the PSP has just been re-released in Japan. They've increased the difficulty level, which is insane in the first place. So that's quite ghoulish. Do they celebrate Halloween in Japan? They must have. Is cannibalism a very Halloween-y thing? I wonder if kids still fancy cartoon characters like I did. Do you still fancy cartoon characters? I don't know. I'd like to know what Penny from Inspector Gadget was doing these days. What's the, uh, what is the best thing about Halloween? Is it this podcast? Um, yeah, it is now. It is now. Well, that's it for our Halloween special. Steve, you have uh, anything to say? Well, I, I don't even understand Scrubs. It's, it's not even funny. Ta-ta. I wish I was that banana.